1: Hello and welcome to an Informed Life radio on 1150 AM KKNW and streaming to CHD TV. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager, and I'm so glad to be with you today and to have with me Dr. Javier Figueroa. Um, hello, sir. So hello, good to Bernadette. see you.
2: Good to see you as well.
1: Yeah. Um, so let me get out of the way. Our preliminaries, the views expressed um, on this show may not necessarily be those of our wonderful KKNW or CHDTV, DTV, um, but we're just utilizing free speech while we've still got it and utilizing it to preserve it. So here we are. And also, the views expressed are not intended to be medical advice. You know, you need to go seek uh, your trusted health care advisor and if you don't have holy cow at this stage of the game a trusted healthcare professional that you can refer to when things get a little you know uh, nerve-wracking feel like it's beyond what your own um, expertise can handle by gum it's time to get one uh, you know and interview practitioners the way you would interview a spouse You know, so think of it that way, because you might have to do the equivalent spending of taking them out to dinner, pay for an appointment, sit down with them, go through that checklist of important things that, you know, that are just make or break. If they if they're not going to respect you on that issue, it's bye bye, good luck, you know, (laughs) and move on. Um, I think people need to start, Javier, having really that attitude toward um, toward their health. It's it's really so important. And okay, Bernadette needs to put this on her own checklist. So I give out a lot of advice that I believe in. Absolutely. But since I moved to Tennessee, I talk to doctors all the time and wonderful practitioners. But um, And I know I've got people I could reach out to, but I have not yet set up my own, who I would call a primary um, health provider. So I, I, I guess I need to do that as well. I need to take my own advice um, and, and have it official.
3: Exactly. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Was it difficult for you Javier when you moved to another state to find a, a new practitioner for you and your family?
2: It is. And especially in an area where you have a lot of, it's It's not as dense as say Seattle or the Puget Sound finding a good mm-hmm. doctor is, is sometimes difficult because they're not taking new patients. So as yeah. you're, you're, there's, there's an influx of net uh, refugees coming in from Washington, Oregon and California into Idaho. Mm-hmm. Uh, their practices are booked up. So oh that is, that is something that you have to contend with. And sometimes, you know, you have to go and find uh alternative uh, or at least in my, from my perspective, alternative practitioners are in more demand here in Idaho and they're really far booked up than traditional uh, doctors, MDs, mm. DOs. actually DOs are probably the second most impacted.
1: You know, I'm, I'm really excited to hear that. It means that the revolution is underway, that people are choosing a different modality of health. And, you know, how do we change the system? How do we reform the pharmaceutical industry and the medical industry? We make better choices.
2: Absolutely. You know? um, and here's a, here's a fun fact. The spending on um, uh, non uh, non-Western medicine is the equivalent of what we spend on Western medicine. That is people spend as much money on supplements, naturopathic and alternative medical practices as they do in traditional medical practices. So they already have a parallel system.
1: Wow.
2: And it's it's scarcity that's driving up the price artificially in mm -hmm. the naturopathic area.
1: Yeah, oh that's that's really interesting and it's a good figure if you happen to have like a source for that. I can use that in a lot of areas. You know, when we're trying to fight the increase of school clinics, you know, medical clinics right inside schools. It's really good to be able to present to legislators the fact that look at half of the people don't even use that as their primary source of so you're discriminating. You're you're awarding these contracts in these schools and, you know, so many families don't even utilize, for the most part, that type of medicine, right?
2: Well, and exactly. And again, what is the justification for putting in school clinics in, or medical clinics in schools? I have yet to see any valid reason why taxpayers, and even, even if it's philanthropic and you have money from an external group that's willing to put in the money, what's the basis of it? And the thing is, is that if you're there to say, well, mental health. Hmm. Uh, no, 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 no. The parents decide the child's mental. You know if they need if they actually need to go in and, and get mental health uh, support. It's not up to the schools.
1: It's the the only reasons I've heard, and I believe the right term here would be utilitarian. Maybe so, is convenience. We want working people to be able to, it's so hard for them to take time off work and bring their child to a doctor. So we, that's what they're, that's, it's convenience. Everything is in the name of convenience. I mean, it's the same excuse they give for why they will say, oh, if somebody comes to your clinic in August or early September, if you don't think they'll come back, in late October for the flu shot, give it to them in early September, even though it wanes in two months and they won't be protected actually during. So, but we don't wanna miss the opportunity. So it's convenience. I mean, it's, it, it, there's no medical or real reason. It's just trying, and you know, we this country has sold our souls for convenience. All of our phones and everything, we sold our <laughs> privacy Agreed. and everything. So we need to buck up and, um, yeah, not go that direction. So today, though, Javier, is is all about masks. And, you know, I'm really glad for a review at this stage because three years on, um, they're, uh, you know, threatening us again with masks, which is absolutely absurd. So the first hour, we're going to focus on Uh, effectiveness studies and information. In the second hour, we will discuss the harms of masks. Um, But where I want to start right now is at the very beginning when um, um, the FDA granted emergency use authorization to masks. Okay, so let me make this a little bit bigger here if I can figure out how to do that. Let's see. There we go. So this was to the manufacturer of face masks, healthcare personnel, hospital purchasing departments and distributors, and any other stakeholders. This was April 24th, 2020. And it was authorizing the use of face masks for use by members of the general public, including healthcare personnel. Okay. So they're saying that you could use Um, cloth or surgical masks, and it was to cover their noses and mouths in accordance accordance with CDC recommendations to prevent the spread of the virus called severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus during the COVID-19 pandemic, which sounds as if they believed they worked. But if you continue on down here, Javier, what they will say it's for source control only. And um,
2: source control.
1: Yeah, so down here in the footnote, source control refers to the use of a face mask or cloth face covering over the mouth and nose to contain that individual's respiratory secretions Secretions to help prevent transmission from infected individuals who may or may not have symptoms of COVID nineteen. They really had to play the um, asymptomatic spread, which we know now did not happen. It, it, you know, it right?
2: It never happened. I mean, that's the other thing. If and when you talk about source control, you're talking about large particles, mucus, sputum, all that, which is not the route of transmission for airborne viruses. It is not.
1: Yes. And I dare say one sneeze or wet cough into a mask, you better go throw it away, exactly. wash it, wash your hands, wash your face and start over. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so there, there's just a whole lot there. The general public using masks, are uh, they become infection spreaders, but we'll get to that. Okay. So then it gets better. So you go on and you read the... Um, the EUA, why they decided to, to go ahead and issue this in this emergency, what face masks were uh, under here. Um, and then, don't well, see, the best part I'm getting down here waiver of certain requirements. You know, they were waiving requirements all over the place. You know, it's really concerning. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Hold on. Sorry about that. I thought I had, okay, conditions. Here we go. Conditions related to advertising and promotion. All printed matter, including advertising and promotional materials, relating to the use of the authorized face mask shall be consistent with the labeling elements listed in section two of this EUA. And as terms set forth in, you know, the FDA, all the different acts. Anyway, no printed matter, including advertising or promotional materials, relating to the use of the authorized face mask (laughs) may represent or suggest that such product is safe or effective for the prevention or treatment of patients during the covid19 pandemic
2: see that is what amazes me they're actually telling people you can say it but we're not going to back it up or even suggest that it's actually effective
1: no all advertising and promotional descriptive printed matter relating to the use of the product show clearly and conspicuously state that the product has not been fda cleared or approved this product has been authorized under eua um and then let's see uh hold on a duration i guess i guess that was the main thing there was something else in here though that was just priceless let me see if i can find it um
2: that is just priceless okay
1: so what i'm gonna read i'm gonna i'm gonna stop sharing for a minute because what i have um am i still i'm not sharing am i
3: no you're because i'm in
1: my email (laughs) and i wanted to read to you something but i didn't want to share it because it's in an email um i wanted to read to you the quotes that i found and and i wasn't picking them up quickly so this is in the full emergency use authorized authorization letter They cannot label the product in such a manner that it would misrepresent the product's intended use. For example, the labeling must not state or imply that the product is intended for antimicrobial or antiviral protection or related uses or is for use such as infection prevention or reduction. No printed matter included advertising or promotional materials relating to the use of the authorized face mask may represent or suggest that such product is safe or effective for the prevention, we already read that one, or treatment of patients during COVID-19 pandemic. And then manufacturers will have a process in place for, for reporting adverse events of which they become aware to FDA under 21 CFR part 803.
2: I have never seen a box with a description that says that, or even points to where you can actually report an adverse event.
1: No, no. And so because of this, Javier, we had, see, this is what the EOA was for, for anybody who was making them. And so you might've seen on the label, you can't use this, but people ignored what was on the box. Of course. Right. But you had Governor Inslee, even Governor Lee in Tennessee standing up and doing these massive promotions saying it's going to keep everybody safe, it's going to stop the spread, completely violating EOA. completely no. violating EOA. It was crazy. Okay.
2: If, if I may <laughs> share in support of that, yeah. uh, I have this great little video in which CNN actually calls out Fauci. Oh,
1: yeah. Do you have it to play?
2: I have it ready to go. Good. This is that's... from the Jimmy Dore show.
1: Okay. Let's see if you can figure out how to do that. Good, good, good. Oh, what happened? We lost Javier. (laughs) He went to share and he disappeared. So let's see if we can get him back. Um, Hopefully he'll pop right back in. That's so funny. There he is. He's coming back. We lost you. (laughs)
2: Let me me, me press the right button. Okay.
1: Hey, you're talking to the queen of mistakes here. So no worries.
2: Now we're gonna share right there and hopefully it will be on there.
1: And it might immediately begin to play. So let's see what happens when I add it.
2: All right, here we go.
1: Okay.
4: So Dr. Fauci went on CNN and I bet he didn't expect to get pushback. I bet Dr. Fauci didn't expect That he was actually going to be confronted with actual science instead of the the BS that he spews every time he's talking. So Dr. Fauci is the biggest liar from COVID. There's no bigger liar than Dr. Fauci. He lied about gain of function. He lied about funding gain of function, which gave us the virus he lied about where the virus came from and he called you a white supremacist how how does Cornell not see that that's what they do they call anybody who goes against the establishment now a white supremacist that's what they did if you said that the virus came from the Wuhan lab which is where it came from and it was funded by Dr. Fauci he funded the research that gave us that virus which means if you believe COVID killed millions and millions of people he's a mass murderer on the level of Hitler
1: oh goodness (laughs)
4: What oh, a clip mine. you found. Cool. <laughs> so so here he is, and he's confronted. By Michael Smirconish, of all people. Michael Smirconish. He did not see Smirconish. Smirconish, of all people, bringing up real things. I want to say tip of the hat to Michael Smirconish. Great analysis of scientific studies conducted on
2: the efficacy of masks for reducing the spread of respiratory illness, including COVID-19, was published last month. Its conclusions, said Tom Jefferson, the Oxford epidemiologist, who is the lead author, were unambiguous. There is just no evidence that they, masks, make any difference, he told the journalist Mayan Damasi, Full stop.
4: But wait, hold on. What about the N95 masks as opposed to the lower quality surgical or cloth masks? Makes no difference. None of it, he said. Well, what about the studies that initially persuaded policymakers to impose mask mandates? They were convinced by non-randomized studies, flawed observational studies. How do we get beyond that finding of that particular review? So, by the way, that's not just any review. That's the gold standard Of medical reviews. And the guy who did that review. Is the top guy. In the world. Doing those kind of studies. So that's. It's over. There is no medical evidence. That masks work. To stop an airborne virus. Like COVID. There is There never was before COVID. Which is why Fauci and Rachel Maddow. And everybody told you not to wear masks. And then. Fauci said he lied when he told you not to wear masks. So he's already an admitted liar. But the lie was the second time when he told you masks work to stop uh, the airborne virus. They don't. Not even New York Times. Not even the New York Times hiding this. That's right. That was in the New York Times, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Is that... Yeah, I think that's good. I, I know that um I, I saw that and, I, and Fauci's come back to that. Oh here, there we go. Fauci's come back to that was well at the epidemiological level. You know the evidence isn't quite so strong, but at the individual level, it doesn't make sense if it doesn't work at the individual level. level I, I mean, how could if it works there, it, it would it would reflect somehow at the exactly. Epidemic. So he he's just he's just <clears throat> full of it. Yes. 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 So, um, so there are mountains of study and w- studies, and we're going to just go over a few things here, Javier. But then we'll we'll give viewers and listeners uh, two main resources for huge uh, um, lists that they can refer to as needed if they need to convince friends, family, schools, whatever their governments. Um, Um, So it's brownstone.org and Children's Health Defense both have some great lists. So but I want to back up. So so that was April 24th of 2020. So on on July 1st, let me go grab that. Here it is. July 1st. Let me um, uh, I was still out in Washington State and with um, Informed Choice Washington. Let me see. I believe it was. This one here. There we go. So on July first, we sent this open letter to Governor Inslee, um, and it says you announced a statewide public health order that began June twenty sixth, twenty twenty. So remember, the EOA said you cannot. And if you make the masks, you can't say they're safe or effective. You can't say they work to spread any viral illness. So anyway, but of course, Governor Inslee has a mask mandate for the entire state. Everybody's supposed to wear them in certain settings. Um, Anyway, he so he said, requiring the wearing of your choice of face mask indoors and outdoors in public spacing, uh, spaces, saying that until a vaccine or cure is developed, this is going to be our best defense. Your claim leaves the public with the false belief that medicine has nothing to offer at present but masks, distancing, and a fearful holding pattern until the drug industry invents its preferred solution. Your claim ignores that there are cures. There are successful therapeutic protocols that are being used throughout the world, and here in the United States right now, saving lives. Why don't you know about them? The longer these treatments are ignored or suppressed by our public health authorities, more people die unnecessarily. People aren't dying due to a lack of mask wearing. They're dying because too many doctors don't know about the cheap, safe, effective, and unpatentable available treatments. And what was really fun, Pierre, when I went and looked this up, so I we have in this letter, almost two months ago, Pierre Corey, MD, MPA, medical doctor, trauma and life support center, critical care service chief, associate professor of medicine at the University of Wisconsin. This is when he was early days working with Paul oh, Merrick. Yeah. They oh, weren't yeah. even the COVID-19 critical care alliance yet. No, that's so, right. So, you know, quoting them uh, and then I go on to say... Um, Uh, Let's see. Where's some more? Um, Oh, so he had in this public talk that he gave, he threw out a couple of references to studies that they he claimed that he used along with his um, the secretary of health, John Wiesman, to um, to say the masks will work well i knew enough about the mass studies i recognized his citation i don't think any he was going to think anybody could pick up on no. by what he said but i did and then i showed them that the, the studies that he cited did not support the use of masks so <laughs> this is on our website and then you know we linked everything you know we've sent them so much stuff it's just over the years and quite proud of our group of what we've done in the past so um so we'll stop with that one there, um, and I'm, then go ahead.
2: And I'm just impressed at how comfortable uh, the the health authority, the governors, feel in ignoring the people. They probably did. They even respond with anything when um, you sent the letter.
1: No, no, we we got no response. So that all. is just
2: amazing. Yeah, public officials and elected officials ignoring mm-hmm. the factual statements of their. Their citizens
1: mm-hmm.
2: just saying no, doesn't matter.
1: No, they they really, we did get the Board of Health um, at one point to consider because, but we had to um, file a petition that they're required by law to respond to. And we were asking them to convene practitioners like Dr. Corey to in a public venue to discuss it, to dispel fear and give people hope. Right. And they, They said, oh, this is a great idea, but it's not in a wheelhouse. We can't do it. The federal government needs to do it, which is their way of saying it ain't gonna get done. Um, So then the next thing we did regarding masks, um, let me see if I can make this bigger for you. We we wrote to, that's not getting any bigger. Um, I don't know why I can't get it. Oh, here we go. Maybe that'll get bigger. Share this time. There we uh, there There's the, aha. Okay. So then we wrote to the, um, to the government, to uh, Department of Health, and with more of our concerns. So we said, oh, I guess they did respond to our request. Uh, thanks for your response by our request a and I can't remember now the whole back and forth. So at one point when we wrote to the Department of Health, they did respond, but they did not provide the evidence we requested. We therefore are asking again that you provide by August 15, 2020, the following information, evidence of physical safety for children to wear masks or shields seven hours a day, Evidence that mask or shield wearing is safe with respect to emotional and psychological health. Evidence that social distancing and promoting fear of pathogens is safe with respect to immune, physical, emotional, psychological health. Evidence that mask and shield wearing by children and educators does not negatively impact learning and brain function. You can see it goes on and on. Um, This one, we did not get a reply. We never got an answer to any of these questions because this was a massive experiment on the general public and on our children, this had never been done before, and and it's just unconscionable. I hope that eventually there are lawsuits because when um, concerned public asked very good questions and they had no science to um, to support their actions, they had nothing. Um, yeah, in fact, when we get to the next hour, there there was existing science on negative impacts prior Correct. to COVID. Yeah. Okay. So then, see, so the third thing that I wanted to show in, oops, I dropped my notes. Um, oh, the other thing that was really important, Javier, I don't, you know, we, we can't forget. I'm really, I'm really glad for, um, hmm, hold on, what's it? TAM05, it's called. let see, TAM, Request for Safety, Evidence of Safety, Governor Lynn this one. Oh, sorry about that you know it's weird when you can read a tab but you don't know what it says okay let me go ahead and um oh shoot now i've lost my train of thought <laughs> oh i found it i found it yay okay um we can't forget what they did people were beaten up in some countries even in this country for not wearing a mask and the rhetoric coming from state officials was so egregious it was driving people to violence it was frightening and so i i personally sent this letter to um again let me see if i can get get it a little bit bigger but i can tell you what it says that you can see the the image so I wrote to them and said, you know, we've got people that are really fearful now because this was published in the um, at Yahoo at Yahoo dot backslash lifestyle mm-hmm. saying it's OK to yell at strangers who don't wear masks. And this article suggests escalation towards violence. It was the most appalling thing I had ever seen. This is what the state was driving. Um, No response to that from our federal, our our state officials. But, you know, we do not want it to go back to this at all. We got to figure out how to make sure that people are educated so they're not turning ugly against each other on this issue, which is one reason why we're doing this show.
2: And the other thing you also need to consider is that you know most of the articles written at Yahoo News, at um, uh, Huffington Post, at all these um, you know non-paid uh, or at least uh, you know revenue from ads, they also have a com- component where there is federal money coming in to promote certain narratives and themes.
0: Mm-hmm. So it'd be
2: interesting to actually look back and see if Mr. Schneiderman was paid by. A grant or a fund from an NGO or directly from a federal government agency to write that.
1: I, you know, there's so many things I want researched, and I would love. Hey, anybody listening to the show, if you've got the time and you want to go down the rabbit hole, I'm not even sure how to explore that, but there's got to be a way to find out why that individual wrote that. Yeah, you, okay. There
2: is. And just so people understand, there was a billion dollars allocated right before COVID by the federal government, just to push out information in quotes. They put money away to get out the news of something
1: happening. When governments spend that much money to put messaging of a certain bent to the public. I mean, we've really lost our freedom at that point. That is so concerning. Wow. Yeah. Um, So now we're going to move on to some of the studies uh, in this hour. And we're going to, uh, starting with just that Cochrane review. Um, Yeah, that was uh, mentioned. And so it's called the physical interventions to interrupt or reduce the spread of respiratory viruses. Uh, Tom Jefferson is the, the top man is, and who was referred to in that video that you shared with us. Yes. Um, And so what did you think, you as a scientist, who know how studies are supposed to be written? What do you think about? And explain to listeners what a review study is, first of all. So
2: one of the, so first and foremost, when you do a study, it's never done perfectly. And there's a lot of confounding factors, variables, and biases that sometimes creep into any study that you do. What this particular uh, publication uh, does, it's called a meta-analysis in which you actually aggregate uh, data from multiple studies and you basically do a, a, um, um, a statistical uh, analysis of the studies themselves to see if there's a trend or an agreement between the studies. Even though they may not be perfect, when you put them in the aggregate, sometimes you, get very, you can uh, um, come to very uh, powerful conclusions that are statistically valid when you couldn't do it with one individual study. And so this is what it is. It is a meta-analysis looking at all the studies that have looked at uh, randomized control trials and cluster uh, randomized control trials. um, uh, And that's what they did. And again, epidemiologists, they're very good at doing this.
1: So um, rather than read the study, I thought it would be fun here uh, because at brownstone.org, this woman named Marianne Damas. Demasi, Demasi, yeah. Demasi wrote a a, did a wonderful interview with the main author here, and it's just it's just wonderful. I'm going to get down to the interview here. Um, Javier, is it is it big enough there where you can read that? Because I'd like you you to go ahead if you would and, and read some of these questions and answers.
2: Absolutely. So Demasi first begins by saying this Cochrane review has caused quite a stir on social media and inflamed the great masturbate. What are your thoughts, Dr. Dr. Jefferson? Well, it's an update from our November 2020 review, and the evidence really didn't change from 2022 to 2023. This is an aside, shocker. It shouldn't have. Yeah, from 2020 Um, to
1: 2023, yes.
2: There's still no evidence that masks are effective during a pandemic, Demasi, and yet most governments around the world implemented mask mandates during the pandemic, Jefferson, yes. Well, governments completely failed to do the right thing and demanded better evidence. At the beginning of the pandemic, there were some voices who said masks did not work, and then suddenly the narrative changed. Demasi, that is that is true. Fauci went on 60 Minutes and said that masks are not necessary, and then weeks later, he changed his tune. Jefferson, same with New Zealand's chief medical officer. One minute he's saying masks don't work, and the next minute he flipped. <laughs> Demasi, why do you think that happened? Jefferson, governments had bad advisors from the very beginning. Most of them, this is an aside, most of them, when you look at them, were associated with the WEF. They were convinced by non-randomized studies, flawed observational studies. A lot of it had to do with appearing as if they were doing something. In early 2020, when the pandemic was ramping up, we had just updated our Cochrane review ready to publish, but Cochrane held it up for seven months before it was finally published in November 2020 those seven months were crucial during that time it was when policy about masks was being formed our review was important and it should have been out there <laughs> yeah is it amazing what was the delay jefferson for some unknown reason color me curious cochrane decided it needed an extra peer review and then they forced us to insert unnecessary text phrases in the review, like, quote, this review doesn't contain any COVID-19 trials. When <sighs> it was obvious to anyone reading the study that the cutoff date was January 2020. Demasi, do you think Cochrane intentionally delayed the 2020 review? Jefferson During those seven months, other researchers at Cochrane produced some unacceptable pieces of work using unacceptable studies that gave the, quote, right answer. (laughs) So this is a parallel to what's been happening with the Lyons-Weiler-Thomas study, the McCullough and Rose study, and the Skidmore studies. Mm. This is just censorship at another level Mm -hmm. to try and craft a narrative that doesn't skew away from where the desire is, which is the imposition of public health laws and mandates to lock down and control populations.
1: And that little last little bit was Javier, not Jefferson, yeah, but not Jefferson, Jefferson could have said it too. too.
2: <laughs> Don't sure worry. could have, but he's, he's a far better and more polite person than I am. Nah.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so Demasi, what do you mean by the quote right answer? Are you suggesting that Cochran was pro-mask and that your review contradicted the narrative? Is that your intuition? Jefferson, yes. <laughs> I think that it was what's going on. After seven month delay, Cochrane then published an editorial to accompany our review. The main message of the editorial was that you can't sit on your hands. You've got to do something. You can't wait for good evidence. <laughs> It's a complete subversion of the precautionary principle, which states that you should do nothing unless you have reasonable evidence that benefits outweigh the harms. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Damasy, why would Cochrane do that? Jefferson, I think the purpose of the editorial was to undermine our work. God bless you, Dr. Jefferson. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Damasi. do you think Cochrane was playing a political game? Jefferson, I'm taking bets now. What do you think? Yeah. Jefferson, that I cannot say, but it was seven months that just happened to coincide with a time when all the craziness began, when academics and politicians started jumping up and down about masks. We call them strident campaigners. Quote, they are activists, not scientists. Damasi. That's interesting. Jefferson. Well, no, it's depressing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is depressing, but it's making me laugh. Okay. I know.
2: So this is just an amazing interview. The Isn't fact it
1: great?
2: <laughs> Jefferson, you know, 2020 and 2023, thank God that he had his position at Oxford and they could not touch him. Mm. And I actually think he also signed on to the Barrington Declaration. I'm not sure. I'll have to check the, uh, the list. Mm. I think he's on it. But again, an Oxford trained epidemiologist
3: Mm -hmm. who
2: who actually has integrity and and just decided to do the work and do the right thing with the work.
1: Yeah. Do you want to, you know, we could go on and on with this one. Um, I do encourage people to go read the rest. I mean, the whole thing is entertaining and delightful. And, you know, let's applaud Jefferson here for speaking truth. I yeah. think the
2: last part here's a here's a bit that uh that's interesting. DeMasi, did you wear a mask? Jefferson, I follow the law. If the law says I need to wear one, then I wear one because I have to. I do not break the law. I obey the law of the country.
1: Oh, well, which, you know, you know, I blood, you know, he he stood up, he did what he had to do, but and you know, maybe he believes in then overturning laws, repealing laws, which is yes. right. I feel – and I, I'm, I'm a law abider too, but yeah. I feel like when they're asking me to do something that's absurd and dangerous to my health and actually dangerous to democracy or yeah. uh, we don't live and in a second democracy. second of all, yeah. he's
2: not, these are not laws. So uh, Dr. Right. Jefferson is in England where common law prevails, and they had mask policies oh. or fines, okay. and again, it's not a law. Okay. Neither was a two meter distance in the United States. There was never any law. They were mandates. Mm -hmm. These are regulations and policies that have no power of enforcement. And if a police officer ever tried to enforce a mask mandate, Mm -hmm. they were in violation of the law and of, of a person's civil rights.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So um, we'll provide that link in our sub uh, informed choice while stu- sub stack post. Um, you can look for it yourself at brownstone.org. Just search for masks and you're going to find a whole lot of wonderful articles about on masks. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Just a, a fabulous collection. Bravo to them. <clears throat> I This the is sh- not
2: a right wing conspiracy
1: no this is not a
2: right-wing conspiracy we are following the scientific method on this
1: yeah and you know this i don't know anything about the website the federalist i just know that they did this great 12 graph graphs show mask mandates do nothing to stop covid so i just wanted to to show these to you and our audience javier um and let you um you know we'll just kind of quickly go through them it just Pretty much is showing. For those of you who can't see it, um, the first graph, or yep. yeah, is showing the COVID nineteen cases per million in Texas, which required masks, and Georgia, which did not. And the lines are almost identical. I mean, they're yeah. very, very close, right? Um, speaking,
2: There was no difference.
1: Yeah. It, it, we we kind of had this spike in Texas who required masks that they didn't have in Georgia, which is Correct. interesting, that little spike there. And um, it's a very good article um, to go through and uh, just a ton of links. So we don't have time to do it, but I'll go down to some of the others. So when you look at Austria uh, COVID-19 cases where they, started to require the masks. And then you see it goes flat, and then it goes spikes way up, despite oh, yeah. the fact that they're requiring them the same in Germany, the same in France, France was the masks were introduced when things were fairly level, but then they went and swung way up anyway. Yep. Same with Spain, the same with the UK and Belgium and Italy, they we... put the maskings on the upswing. <laughs> Go ahead.
2: Uh, no, I mean that is that is just laughable to see how what what an utter failure it was, mm-hmm. and they're still saying no, we we have to do it. We're going to impose it again. Yeah. And what is what about the United States? Americans have proven to be highly compliant with mask wearing, even higher than the Germans. Yeah. Actually look at mask required versus no mask required. The difference is so stark; it's absurd that yeah. they're that they're even considering
1: uh, yeah.
2: imposing these mask mandates again.
1: Yeah exactly yeah with the red lines there um the the red lines indicate no mass required and they weren't having the massive spikes toward yeah um yeah it's it's just crazy and then it goes through each state it's it's really fun to look through and see this this right yeah it's you know it's data 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 and you know that's one of the things that's so frustrating javier is the fact that um the the reluctance to collect good data in the united states they they just don't have systems in place to gather the data because if the data doesn't support something that they want they don't want to see it so they'd rather not have data so they can make things up however they want it to be and um let's see what was my next um I think, how are we doing on time? We're doing good. So um, now I'm going to switch over and show you, let's see, show this tab instead. Here we go. So this is, we're going directly now to brownstone.org uh, um, to a great um, article by Josh Stevenson, who I'm trying to get a hold of. Turns out he's in Nashville. So I want to get a hold oh, of this guy. Fantastic. And and <clears throat> he, he, it, at the end of this article it describes what he does. And I have to go look because I don't remember the exact terms, but he's one of those brilliant people who can, um, who can take data and make uh, beautiful graphs, make it visual, you know, make data visual for you. That is such a gift yeah. to what we're trying to do to educate. There's so much information. We're overwhelmed with good information. And so, yeah. So, um, so he's compiled in here uh, a whole bunch of math studies and this goes back you know almost see april it's like a year ago yeah um but it's still fantastic and i wanted to start at the top because i love how he says the chart um he gives you a chart of the types of studies and what they mean. And I know that you'd be really good about explaining what we're seeing uh, to the audience here, especially the audio.
2: Absolutely. So if people are familiar with the food pyramid, you have a pyramid that looks right there. And basically it categorizes the uh, level of evidence that is, um, that is uh, uh, of high quality and can actually d- show a distinction between, you know, uh, B.S., and real uh, data. So at the lower end, you have editorial and expert opinion, and editorials and expert opinion are the lowest class of evidence in the sciences, and in medicine, and in engineering, because their opinions, however expert they might be, if you do not have data, you, it's at the lowest level. At the very highest level are the systemic reviews and meta analysis of RCTs. That's debatable. It really is debatable. I think the highest studies are the randomized control trials, Mm -hmm. but systemic RCTs do provide quite a bit of power at a low cost. And I think that's why they put them up there. Randomized (laughs) controlled trials are the highest quality, but they're the most expensive.
1: Ah, yeah. And um, it's been interesting listening to uh, Dr. Pierre Corey and Paul Merrick and the others um, who've been looking really closely at studies, especially, you know, as they unfold in during "quote unquote" pandemic, and they're saying a lot of the same things that you just said there, because y- you know you and it's been extremely frustrating to them that clinical evidence, evidence actually in your office that you could yes. share with other people, is being disregarded as anecdotal and it doesn't matter.
2: It's right there in the middle, actually. So mm. clinical evidence, so the the the, the current best practices. Uh, recognized by the federal government and the bodies associated with the federal government that provide medical advice, basically say that if there is clinical evidence, aggregated clinical evidence of a benefit of an intervention, then that should become the 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 new standard of care, regardless mm-hmm. of whether or not there's a randomized control trial.
1: Mm-hmm. And that clinical
2: evidence mm-hmm. trumps any sort of RCT randomized control trial. Wow. Uh, So, and again, some people can make the case that, well, no, you you actually, if you did the randomized control trial uh, and it contradicts what benefited the patient, it doesn't matter. It helped the patient. Mm -hmm. Now, if it's harming the patient, that's a different story. Then you'd actually have to start looking at uh, different uh, points of biases. But again, Pierre Corey, Paul Merrick, all these people saw evidence with their own eyes that it helped their Mm -hmm. patients. As a matter of fact. Go ahead. If,
1: and if you're dealing with something novel that, ha, that, you know, the world has not really dealt with before, actually, we had dealt with very similar things, but, you know, it was all being skewed as if it was novel, right. you know, as if we had no immunity to coronaviruses, which we did. But, um, you know, I would think that in those times that that clinical experience has the highest value. Correct. You know, because we need to save lives now. Um,
2: Correct.
1: Yeah. Um, so then, so he explains that, which is, is really good to, you know, for those of us, um, you know, out here, the lay people. So then he goes through, we already talked about the Cochrane database is, uh, has uh, the physical interventions to interrupt or reduce the spread of respiratory viruses. So we just spoke about that. Yep. Um, and then he's got um, a study called evidence for community cloth face mask masking to limit the spread of SARS-CoV-2, a critical review um, gives a quote from that. Let me Mm -hmm. see. Um, Let's just read that. More than a century after the 1918 influenza pandemic examination of the efficacy of masks has produced a large volume of mostly low to moderate quality evidence that has largely failed to demonstrate their value in most settings Ideally, high-quality evidence will eventually provide clarification. When repeated attempts are undertaken to demonstrate an expected or desired outcome, I'm going to say that again. When repeated attempts are undertaken to demonstrate an expected or desired outcome, there is a risk of declaring the effort resolved once results consistent with preconceived notions are generated, regardless of the number or extent of previous failures, yeah, so. Um, effectiveness of adding a mask recommendation to other public health measures to prevent uh, SARS-CoV-2 infection in Danish mask wearers. Yep. Um, now this one was interesting. The recommendation to wear surgical masks to supplement other public health measures did not reduce the SARS-CoV-2 infection rate among wearers by more than 50% in a community with modest infection rates. Yeah. Which sounds like, hey, it cut them down by 50%. That sounds fairly like at least it did something. But I love this next quote from this study. Although the difference observed was not statistically significant, the 95% confidence intervals are compatible with a 46% reduction to a 23% increase. In infection. In infection, yeah. So, explain to our listeners about confidence intervals.
2: So, confidence intervals are basically a spread between a central point. So, w- what that means is that you can either bias it one. So, you have an average, right? You know, fifty uh, percent of people uh, got infected. Fifty percent of people did not get infected. How confident were you that you you could you could stop infection or you could increase infection? So when you have a 46% reduction versus a 23% increase in infection, you <laughs> basically wiped out any potential statistical power to detect a difference. Yeah. So 40%, 46% reduction sounds impressive, but a 23% increase actually almost negates it, statistically speaking. There yeah. is no power in that. 95% confidence interval basically says there's only a 5% chance of it being correct.
1: And and when you just observe the way the general public wears masks, touching it, contaminating—I mean, if they were sick, first of all, again, right back to the beginning of the show, emergency youth author use authorization, FDA knows these these masks do not prevent the spread of bacterial viral infections; they you can don't. only catch droplets. Correct. Um, and so, if you are healthy, putting one on doesn't prevent you from getting sick Correct. there's nothing for you to spread to other people it's it's ridiculous Correct. but what happens and if you are sick for goodness sake stay home
2: stay home exactly
1: <laughs> but so if you're wearing it though and then people are touching it smearing it and keeping their breath in and the bacterial we'll get to that in the next hour but it's just no. it makes sense to me that it would more increase infection and i would say Correct. also not just covid but all sorts of infections. Um,
2: Correct. And again, because- <laughs> most people don't understand that mask wearing or sorry, mask wearing is ineffective. Period. Period. Respirators need to be fit tested. That is, you have to wear a mask tightly around your face so it makes an airtight seal around your mouth and nose. And there's a process by which, when you wear a respirator,
0: mm-hmm.
2: what they do is they uh, they put a specialty mask on you and they puff in. Um, uh, Saccharin, or, or a sweetener that is you know easy to detect either in the nose or in the mouth. The moment that you stop detecting it, that means that you have passed this particular uh, fit test. That it's not coming in from the side or leaking in through an opening. You are mm-hmm. fit tested and you have to wear it damn tight. So it has to be tested. Now this was for actually going into an animal an, a vivarium, an animal facility where you work with rodents and rats. And the reason they do that is to prevent people that might be potentially allergic to animal dander mm. coming, you know, have respiratory shock. You wear a FIT test for animal dander.
1: And dander is way bigger than a virus. Way bigger.
2: <laughs> yeah. The idea that somehow an N95 respirator will stop a viral particle that can ride on a minuscule or a micronic uh, uh, water vapor droplet.
1: Mm mm-hmm.
2: Is ridiculous. Yeah, It makes zero sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, we only have about two minutes. So I'm going to um, I'm going to stop sharing here. So we'll just chat our last two minutes um, on this. Um, the net when we go to the next hour, when we come back after the break, we're going to be talking about some of the harms um, due to the masks. But uh, before we go, I want to uh, mention a couple of events that are coming up. So this weekend online is the vaccine safety marathon. Let me pull that up. Um, go to we, the Patriots, we, the Patriots, And um, it's, it's September 9th and 10th. When does it begin? It begins at 10 AM. And the opening remarks by Dawn and Brian, forgive me, forget their last names, but then we've got Dr. James lines, weiler every hour or half hour we've got somebody. Then we've got Jill Grunwald, attorney Kim Mack Rosenberg, Robert Scott Bell, Ashley Everly, Christina Hildebrand Tim James, Dr. Paul Thomas, Shannon Croner, Valerie Borick, um, the Warners, Ginger Taylor, Susie Corgan, attorney Boyles, Janet Levitin, Dr. Peter McCullough, attorney Ray Flores, Carl Kanzek, woo-hoo! Maya Hahn, Dr. Stephanie Seneff, Michelle Gershman, Mary Holland, Jody O'Malley, Dana Kowalski, Dr. Pierre Corey, Shelby Thompson, Destiny Maynard, Kevin Tuttle, Fadwa Gillanders, Attorney Diane Protat, Dr. Christopher Shaw, the aluminum guy from, yay! What what time is he coming on? 4.30 a.m. Okay, on Sunday. This is all going to be recorded, so if you miss it. Uh, Ilana, uh, Rachel Daniel, Nate Kelly, Joe Bond, Dr. Lewis, David Oldham, Dr. Kimberly Bliss, Brad Miller, Rabbi. Rabbi Henry Morse, and closing Remarks with Don and Brian. It's a fabulous marathon. So attend, donate, uh, look things up. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go to Mass Harm. Uh, you've been listening to an Informed Life radio on 1150 AM KKNW, CHD tv We will be right back.
0: If you're looking for a publication that delivers honest takes and critical insights into the issues of our day, then look no further than The Flame Paper. The Flame Paper is written for the people, by the people, who aren't afraid to challenge a mainstream narrative, be it health care, voter fraud, political correctness, or even the one world government. The Flame is full of timely articles, reports, and expert advice written by freedom-loving, truth-telling experts, journalists, and concerned citizens. To subscribe, go to theflameusa.com.
1: During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more,
2: Org. Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa dot org today.
1: welcome back to an informed life radio on 1150 a.m kknw and streaming to chd tv i'm your host bernadette pager with me is dr javier figueroa there he is back in the house so the first hour javier i think i better repeat because sometimes people split this in half um our two-hour show so the views expressed um, on our show are not necessarily those of 1150 a.m kknw or chd tv and anything we say is not intended to give medical advice, just information so you can live what? An informed life. Um, uh, a couple events coming up. I want to make sure we leave time for these. So I'm going to put them in the beginning, Javier. Uh, I'm going to share a screen here with the events at uh, the Washington chapter of Children's Health Defense. A um, couple of things are going to be tabling at. So uh, Fest is happening in vancouver uh september 15th and 16th what today's the eighth? so a week from now and you don't have to be a chiropractor to attend um, but if you are great if not it's it's a fabulous event and um, we're going to be having a table there we meaning my wonderful people of the Washington chapter of Children's Health Defense and Informed Choice Washington and the Oregon chapter of Children's Health Defense is going to be there as well at the Cairo Fest. So I, uh, I I believe if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and then there's going to be a, a big event uh, in October 21st called the Great Northwest Awakening, um, presented by Patriots United and uh, Washington chapter Children's Health will be there, in Form Truth Washington and others. Um, Some great speakers. So go to the um, Washington chapter, wa.childrenshealthevents.org, go to the events tab, and you're going to find links to take you to more details about these events. And then then I also want to uh, share uh, the big national conference coming up in Savannah, Georgia, uh, November 3rd through the 5th and i tell you this is going to be such an amazing event and i know it's a long way to go for a lot of people and you know it's a big expense when you put it all together but we Javier we are in this place when we entered covid there was a little number of us really who who saw what was going on the capture of the fda and cdc Um, you know, how pharma was undermining health and there was just so much. Since COVID, we have grown exponentially and the lawsuits now being filed and winning Um, and the changes happening that we're seeing. You're seeing where you live now that you're on a waiting list to try to get an alternative practitioner, a naturopath or a holistic MD, that the revolution is here. And so, what's so exciting about this annual conference is all of those people are going to be there, you know the leaders of this movement, the people that have been inspiring you, and all your friends that you've met online and where you are and across the country. so you know this is kind of going to be a one of those big trips of your life if you're able to pull it together and go. I do encourage people um you you end up going there just to the children's health defense being website or through any of the chapters have links to the conference so do consider seeing if you can go get a group of people together so you can all split a hotel room and make it affordable you know um i i think that it's just going to be magic anytime i get together with all these people the energy in the air because you. We get kind of depressed sometimes, right, Javier, thinking yes. the enormity of what needs to be done. But you get with your people and you see how many there are that are with you. It's so inspiring. So anyway, there, there's my little plug. And I want you, I want to see you all. And my husband and I are going to be manning the CHD merchandise table for quite a bit of it. So if you come, come on by and, and see me and uh, – Give me tips for how to improve the show. Say, Bernadette, you talk too much. Let your guests talk more. <laughs> Whatever it is you want to say, I will. I will listen. I'm getting better. I think I'm getting a little bit better.
2: You've improved substantially since I started working with
1: you. Well, thank you. <laughs> I do appreciate it very much. Um, you know, we're just amateurs making a go. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, what do I have on my list here? I've got the harm list. We um, let's start the conversation as I navigate to the harm list, Javier. I want to start kind of, I I didn't, there aren't any, I think there are some articles about this, but two of the biggest harms I see are people willing to comply with orders or mandates that they don't agree with, that they think are absurd, just to go along, to get along. Yeah. Not understanding what they're really selling with that. I mean, their, their freedom, right? And the other thing is the visual clue of so many. There's so much that goes. You put on the mask. You're spreading fear. Yes spreading an awareness. Something's abnormal here, right? You're not paying attention. It's a beautiful day. The grass is green. The air smells sweet. The children are laughing. No, you're just like, everybody's got a mask on. Be afraid, right? So the psychological aspect um, of it is alarming. And then, you know, you get to see who complies and who doesn't, you know, that whole, I feel like as much, I think those psychological harms the political harms are huge
2: they are yes
1: yeah okay You're but again
2: agreement. i love the fact that you know you this was a we for there was a part in that particular interview in the first hour that we saw from um um jimmy Dore that interview mm-hmm. it about fauci and the mass study um dr drew who's another uh who worked with Adam Carolla in Southern California. They had a radio show together. Dr. Drew is a a MD in Southern California. And he worked with Dr. Fauci during the AIDS epidemic to try and uncover uh, best practices to treat AIDS patients. And he still remembers when Dr. Fauci said, fear is the best weapon to motivate people to do something you want them to do. Yeah. Okay, and that is antithetical to good public health management yeah public health managers management is don't be afraid do what is right for you
0: mm-hmm.
2: take care of your family and yourself and we'll work together yeah and in we, this case it was different it was completely opposite
1: yeah we saw none of that we so, we had the head of the cdc I've quoted her too many times, uh, Rochelle Walensky, you know, with the pretend tears. I'm so afraid. Like, why the heck did they put you in a position of authority if you're afraid, girl? Exactly.
2: <laughs> you're that fearful, what? you're the worst kind of leader we need.
1: No kidding, it was just absurd. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, let, let's look a little bit, um, oops. I, I lost you. There we go. Let's look a, a little bit at some of these. And then when you see one, there's just so many that you want me to click and review. And then I've got, I've got some <laughs> in particular. Right. I know there's just this no shortage. There's too many. Yeah. So titanium dioxide particles frequently present in face masks intended for general use that require regulatory control. I mean, the toxins people were breathing in. I know.
2: Review of scientific reports of harms caused by face masks. Up to February 2021. Shall we it's look at It's the fourth one down.
1: Okay. Let me um go look at that. This one. Let's go look to share this tab again. Oh, this was the DG Rancourt. Um, yeah, he's he's been on this for a long time. That's a great, excellent. great summary. Yeah. He goes, excellent through researcher. All of our... Yes, isn't he? Yeah. I, I feel like I did I speak to him? Did I interview him? I've I think interviewed, you interviewed him. him. Yes. Did I? Okay. Isn't that bad that I can't remember? You know, I do these interviews, one or two great hours, and then I keep running. And then a year later, I think, boy, that person's familiar. Why do I know? (laughs) It's like, well, you talk to him for an hour on the radio, idiot. So um, it just goes on and on. Yeah. So um, (laughs) funny. I mean, The
2: evidence of harm of, I mean, mask wearing is there, if there is an increased risk while you're doing a work, you have mm-hmm. to weigh the benefits and risks versus you know, it, it's it's all balancing uh potential risks versus versus benefits in yeah. conditions where masks have a place mm-hmm. fine you're actually mitigating a risk but you're yeah. also incurring another one that yeah. might be of lower uh, of lower consequence and that's what you do
1: yeah i I love this one here um, can I make it bigger Let me try. Oh, did that get a little bit bigger? I'm going to um, if you can see that Javier, I'll let you go ahead and read that. The so abstract.
2: Is, yeah, making preschool children wear masks is bad public health. And this is written by um, uh, Robert C. Hughes, Sunil S. Bhopal and Mark uh, Tomlinson. Uh, so the abstract reads children not small adults This is a critical point that many pediatricians and other child health professionals get bored of saying, yet it does seem to need repeating. While children have the lowest risk from COVID-19 directly, the risk suffering the indirect impacts of policy decisions, many of which appear to have been made with next to no explicit consideration of of their interests. Public health interventions should not only be about infectious disease control, they should also consider a broad set of outcomes. In addition, they ought to consider vulnerability, including that in early childhood a time when young children's brains are developing rapidly and are most susceptible to adversity. We believe that mandating masking of preschool children is not in line with public health principles and needs to be urgently reconsidered. Yeah, And again, study after study after study has shown the negative consequences both developmentally, neurologically, and socially Mm -hmm. of mask wearing, mandating mask wearing in schools when Mm -hmm. there was zero evidence that children were actually causing any transmission between themselves or their teachers. Mm -hmm. In over seven countries, including the United States, that Mm -hmm. masks did not prevent or protect.
1: Yeah.
2: And children were actually at a lower risk of transmitting the virus to anyone in their school.
1: Yeah. And we needed the children to develop their immune systems the 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 other thing about the masks is the germophobia that people have right it's just exactly it shot way up and it's absurd you know as science has been revealing that we are dependent our health and our immune systems are dependent on microbes we are more microbial than we are human genetically right by the, the sheer numbers. I love to listen to Dr. Zach Bush, whoops, um, talk about this. And, um, and yet this whole fear of microbes, this fear of germs, um, it fuels the vaccine industry. In fact, there was a fantastic uh, CHD TV, the Doctors in Science um, this morning with Dr. Brian Hooker and Dr. Merrill Nass And they were looking at the current um, RSV, the vaccines that were just licensed yesterday for pregnant women. And there are vaccines licensed for those 65 and older. And then there is an antibody injection that is uh, now licensed for newborns to give on the first day of life. And they review all of the science of this, all of the, um, uh, the data, the backstory of of how little need there even was for an RSV vaccine. I went up while you were gone there, Javier talking about, um, a great episode of CHD TV this morning with Dr. Brian Hooker, Dr. Meryl Nass on RSV. Um, they, they go over, I mean, it was just so unnecessary. Um, These, and I forget why I even, oh, I guess the germophobia is just the, um, when the, under the 21st Century Cures Act, um, buried in there was language that Informed Choice Washington fought, nobody seemed to know about, but, and some of the other freedom groups spoke about, but it still passed. It put pregnant women and their unborn children under the 1986 umbrella.
2: That is absolutely unconscionable.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so that mean, that meant at that time is all of these vaccine manufacturers said, oh boy, the golden goose that we had for children, because we don't have to be, once it's on the schedule, once the CDC says it's on the schedule, you know, we have no liability. The golden they will market it for us. They will promote it. They will purchase it. They will store it. They do everything for us. And we're not even liable for injuries. Hoo hoo, Right. So then when they put pregnant women under there, uh, they were salivating. And now with the RSV vaccine, now they are pushing COVID shots, flu shots, RSV shots um, on pregnant women. And there was one more for some women. If they're not showing antibodies, I believe they're pushing the hepatitis B vaccine as well. Yes.
2: Yeah. And again, that's the last thing you want to do. Uh, Yeah. You know, the the only time you want to get a hepatitis B vaccine is potentially, even if you're a drug user or, you know, the the potential for transmission via uh, injection, um, you know, the risk-benefit analysis has not been done for pregnancy. And again, that is unconscionable. And and this is my opinion. This was not the opinion of the the radio station or CHDTV, but the PREP Act is one of the most unconscionable acts that has ever been uh, forced on the people of this nation.
1: They need to start considering human nature when they write these things. Now, if we were all angels... And everybody behaved on the up and up and ethically, you know, you might be able to get away with something like the PrEP Act. I don't know. Right. It, it, it's pretty extreme what it just gets blanket. Oh, we're going to protect oh, yeah. you. Do what you want. We're going to waive this. We're going to waive that. Forget about what. what is that G, the good manufacturing
2: GMP, good manufacturing G- practices. Yeah,
1: let, let's just forget about that. We don't need that. Okay. Um, you know, they just waive everything. It's just absurd. And if we were angels, maybe we could play in that arena. But humans do not behave well in the absence of responsibility. Correct. We don't. We don't play well with other people's money, right? Or other people's lives, for that matter. No, as a whole. Um, So they need to start thinking about that when they do. So anyway, so the, the, the fear, so pregnant women and their precious unborn children became the target of the pharmaceutical industry. And one of the worst things about the COVID shots was they showed to the manufacturers that there was no product unsafe enough, ineffective enough unnecessary enough that, enough that they couldn't get it licensed. Correct. And here comes after, they've been trying to make RSV vaccines for 30 years.
2: Yeah, and I wonder why they don't work.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so even when you go and watch the FDA verbeck meetings, the, the re, vaccine-related biological advisory meetings, and you watch the CDC's ACE meetings where they're supposedly reviewing all the science, the science on these products is so bad that they can't even cover up the fact that they don't prevent infection or transmission. They weigh very rapidly. Right. And the red flags for harm are astounding. But apparently they're not quite as bad as the covid shots because they went ahead and they're pff, thrusting and again- them on the American public.
2: One of the things we have to also contend with, and I know this is going to sound uh, like straight out of a conspiracy theory, but if you actually look through all the documentation, there was the, the language of EUA and all the statutes that had been imposed did not require ACIP or Verbeck or even FDA approval to get these, to get the, uh, these mRNA injections out. As a mm-hmm. matter of fact, every single document shows that this was a DOD-run campaign. Yeah. Pfizer and Moderna did not use their manufacturing centers. They used DOD uh, contractors to manufacture each and every one of those shots mm. under license from Pfizer and Moderna. That is the unfortunate reality they have to deal with. And we have to contend with the fact that potentially all these Verback and ASAP meetings were just window dressings. And because how yeah. how can you actually do something like that when you have ASIP and Verbeck when they had all that information and it took yeah. to come to them and say stop and they still approved it?
1: Yeah, and that that makes me so. It's so. It. I don't even know the right word for it, but let, let me. Okay, we're we're getting a little squirrel, but this is kind of yeah. You're point.
2: right. We're talking about masks,
4: damn. It.
1: We, yeah, we're talking about masks, but I do. I feel betrayed. That's the word. Yes. So. I, I'm not going to name names here, but I got to tell you, and this is Bernadette just doing what she does. I was in Nashville a couple of weeks ago for this extraordinary session and I was sitting in an office and I hear in the hallway a couple of legislators explaining how the committee meeting about to start about 15 minutes is going to go down. One says somebody's not going to show up to introduce their bill. Somebody else is going to say, well, let's go ahead and put that bill on the table and somebody else is going to say, well, let's go ahead and adjourn. I heard it all laid out, scripted. You're going to do this, you're to that. You got it. And I'm like, oh, this is, I knew, I know those things happen, but I'd never heard it blatantly done before. And then I went down and I watched the committee and what was freaky... because these are just your average people. They don't seem like actors, but by gum, they pull. If I hadn't overheard, it would have, I- it looks so genuine. Yep. I felt so betrayed. I just felt absolutely betrayed. And then later on, I was, um, I was talking to one of my favorite senators and I explained what I had overheard. And he's so funny. He says, well, you know, burned It's kind of like, you know, that your parents do it, but it's another thing to, to accidentally walk in and catch them at it. (laughs) I'm like, that's exactly what it felt like. So what we're seeing, once you know what the FDA and the CDC, once you figure out and you see what, you know, they know, Yep. and you watch them play their games anyway for the public it's a betrayal it's an absolute betrayal and it makes yeah. you sick to your stomach no. you know and
2: again you think that there's actual debate and talking back and forth no they're told this is what we've decided you just have to come around and convince yourself that you're on board
1: yeah yeah it's it's got to go the whole thing i mean the beauty of covid i hate that anybody's been harmed in any way and there's been massive harm and i pray for everybody who's experienced it and lost loved ones but it has it has really made the cockroaches go scurrying the lights have been flipped on and we've seen them you know we we everybody has seen them so okay back to masks here so uh we'll read some of these titles when you see one that you'd like me to click on we'll go ahead and do that so we've got um a little, little evidence for face mask use in children against COVID-19. Um, wearing N95 surgical and cloth masks compromises the perception of emotion. Yes. You yes. know, and to do this to anybody, let alone the children, for days, weeks, months, years on end. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, face masks impair basic emotion uh, recognition I'm reading the titles for those of you are not able to see of some of these studies uh, facial masks affect emotion recognition in the general population and in individuals yep. with autistic traits so yes. our most vulnerable were hit the hardest um let's see if we can find so there's just look at all these studies on emotions
2: on and on and on yeah and on
1: and then we get to the physical A pilot study on burden of fungal contamination in face masks, need for better mask hygiene in the COVID nineteen era. Yep. So they had fungal infection, bacterial infections, and
2: uh, <laughs> toxic metals, nanoparticles, yeah, toxic particles. It yeah. goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. And the quality and most people don't realize this, but masks varying quality from. I mean, just incredible because they're not a medical device. Mm -hmm. Anyone can manufacture them and claim that they're a mask.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. And, you know, then you still see like in places like Tennessee where you don't have a lot of mask use, um, but you see some people who are vulnerable. A lot of times it's the elderly You know, they're afraid. And you know, they they kind of went from cloth masks and now they're the ones buying the surgical masks and trying to pinch them over their nose and really and I just it breaks my heart that they're living in fear like this. And it's really difficult at this stage to try to politely offer information. I mean, it's gonna take a lot of undoing. Oh, yeah. To for some of these people to let go of that safety net. It's it it's heartbreaking.
2: Yeah. 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 And again, it's because we've been trained to acquiesce or believe in the mm-hmm. authority of governments and institutions. And mm-hmm. when they say mask up to, to to help others, that's a catchy slogan versus think for yourself, do your own research, make up your own mind. That are, that requires a lot of mental, physical, and emotional legwork. Yeah.
1: I'm going to try this one here, uh, Javier. Um Short report on the effects of SARS-CoV-2 face protective equipment on verbal uh, communication. I'll just accept the cookies and delete them later. So let's take a look at this. Um, Conclusion. Go ahead and read that conclusion. there. There we go.
2: The use of face personal protective equipment causes significant verbal communication issues healthcare workers, school-age children, and people affected by voice and hearing disorders may represent specific at-risk groups for impaired speech intelligibility.
1: And we're talking about populations that were at virtual zero risk of Correct. having a bad case of COVID that were likely going to develop vigorous natural immunity to protect them moving forward. And you know, there was the the risk benefit like we as we started off um, the show where Informed Trust Washington was asking our state leaders, where's your proof that putting masks on all these people, especially children, isn't going to cause harm? Right. Right? So they knew they needed to be thinking about this. And after all this time and all of these studies, I need to, again, send all of this again to all of the governors. (laughs) Um how can they possibly consider doing this especially to our children?
2: Correct. It it makes no sense. And when you have a um, a death rate of around of around roughly 0.03% for mm-hmm. COVID. Uh, you, you really have to start wondering uh, you know I mean it, the overreaction was so over the top uh, that it really doesn't make any sense that it was actually uh, this was a response to protect people.
1: Mhm. This one looks interesting here. Um, Javier, let me go down to the actual and make it a little bit bigger for you. Well, go ahead and read the title, and then I'll scroll down and find the conclusion.
2: (laughs) Need for assessing the inhalation of micro-nano plastic debris shed from masks, respirators, and homemade face coverings during the COVID-19 pandemic. And this comes from the Department of Environmental Sciences and Engineering at Jia Jiangtong University. Xi'an. China,
1: yeah, People's so,
2: Republic of China.
1: They were looking into it way back when, and and what I'm doing here on this show, I want to let everybody know, uh, Javier, is not how to properly read a study. Correct. Most of the time, you get a lot. I I shouldn't judge, but you know, there's like a lot of busy doctors or whatever. This is what they do. They'll read the title, the abstract, or or maybe the title and then the actual conclusion, and then they move on. And it's not really the best way. If we weren't doing no. a radio show, you have to read the whole thing and you have to go look at the data that they've supplied and the charts. Cause often you will find that the title and the conclusion don't match what's in the study. Oh yeah. Right. There'll be little gems in there. Like, well, why didn't you tell that? That was like the most important thing and you buried it on, you know, graph number three. No, exactly. it. So, um, because, this is just it you can't really trust science, and yet it's all we got. <laughs> you <know?
2: laughs> well, you can't so. trust the people doing the science. The scientific method will allow you to discern for yourself, especially yeah. if the journal editors and peer reviewers demand it of the people writing the article
1: exactly. So so as we're doing this, we're we're not doing it the way you know we really believe should be done. Let's right. see if I can find where's the conclusion there? Oh, there's a whole lot of things. I think they basically found um, we'll just go back to where we were. I think they found um, I think they just they found a whole bunch of particles, Yes, that might harm your health that people are right. breathing in and they're like, holy cow, we better look into this.
2: Exactly because our and whole
1: population is.
2: And the smaller the particle, the deeper it travels into your into your lungs. Yeah, And then they become embedded very deeply into the alveoli or even the smaller uh, bronchioles. Mm
0: -hmm. And then
2: that can actually produce all sorts of inflammatory responses. And depending on the particle, what it's made up of, even Mm -hmm. cancer in some cases.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I went ahead and moved us back, Javier, to the list provided by Children's Health Defense. And let's look at some of these uh, titles here. Um, why don't you go ahead and start you we already did the fourth one go ahead from there and look to see
2: now what's interesting is the physiological impact of wearing an n95 mask during hemodialysis as a precaution against SARS in patients with end-stage renal disease this is important because uh, when you have uh, when you're doing hemodialysis that is when you're doing dialysis uh, and you have kidney disease you are quite susceptible to changes in your CO2 level in, in, in that. Um, and okay. then the exercise with a face mask that's uh physiological okay. i think yeah. it might have been i think the link might have been uh oh
1: incorrect. okay oh, it was, but won't you go ahead and read this one sure. this exercise with face mask one are we
2: handling, are we handling a devil's sword a physiological hypothesis so this is basically knowing what we know about c o two and face masks. Uh, what's, are we, are we asking for a a, a bum deal on this? So straying away from the sedentary lifestyle is essential, especially in these troubled times of a global pandemic to reverse the ill effects associated with the health risks as mentioned earlier in the view of anticipated effects on immune system and prevention against influenza and COVID-19 globally, moderate to vigorous exercises are advocated wearing protective equipment, such as face masks. Though who supports and that's though WHO supports face masks only for COVID nineteen patients, healthy quote social exercisers to exercise strenuously with customized face masks or N ninety five, which hypothesize to pose more significant health risks and tax various physiological systems, especially pulmonary, circulatory, and immune systems. Exercising with face masks may reduce available oxygen and increase air trapping, preventing substantive carbon dioxide exchange. Hypercapnic hypoxia may potentiate increased acidic environment, cardiac overload, and aerobic metabolism, and renal overload,
4: hmm.
2: which is what I think the other article was really concerned about, Yeah, which may substantially aggravate the underlying... Pathology of established chronic diseases. Further contrary to the earlier thought, no evidence exists to claim that face masks during exercise offer additional protection from the droplet transfer of the virus. Hence, we recommend social distancing is better, not, to, n- not with any evidence, uh, <laughs> than face masks during exercise and optimal dis- utilization rather than an exploitation of face masks during exercise.
1: But at least with social distancing during exercise, that's something we now normally want to do anyway because oh, yeah. nobody wants to get the sweat of somebody else flung Correct. on them, right? Yep. We tend to want to social distance, you know? Absolutely. In this, so I, do, I don't think that that's particularly harm. No evidence that it's helpful. It's just more sanitary. <laughs> oh, So, yeah. Um, oh, let me see if I can find. Uh, the other way. Oh, yeah, I think it was it was linked to the wrong one. Oh, this let, let's look at this one. Um, respiratory consequence of an N95.
2: Ooh. Yes. I
1: haven't read this yet. So, no. you know, you're reading it first with us. So go ahead there, Javier, and see. So methods, yeah.
2: we conducted a two-phase controlled clinical study on healthy pregnant women between the ages of 27 to 32, oh, sorry, pregnant women between 32 to, 27 to 32-week gestation. In phase one, energy expenditure corresponding to the workload of routine nursing tasks was determined. In phase two, pulmonary function of 20 subjects was measured while whilst at rest and exercising to the red- to predetermine workload while breathing ambient air first, then breathing through N95 masks materials. So that's the methods, Uh, which seem, you know, uh, it's it's well controlled. They've described the population and they've described what they're comparing it to, you know, uh, ambient air versus wearing an N95 mask. And the conclusion is, Breathing through N95 mask materials have been shown to impede gaseous exchange and impose an additional workload on the metabolic system of pregnant healthcare workers. Now, why is that important? Well, when you're pregnant, you're already taxing your metabolic system substantially. And I'll continue. And this needs to be taken into consideration in guidelines for respirator use. The benefits of using N95 masks to prevent serious emerging infectious disease should be weighed against potential respiratory consequences associated with extended N95 respirator usage. Yeah. Now, fortunately, (laughs) there were no changes in the maternal and fetal heart rate, fingertip capillary lactate levels, and oxygen saturation and rating of perceived exertion at the work intensity investigated. Now, although no changes in the inspired oxygen and carbon dioxide concentrations were demonstrated, breathing through N95 mask materials during low-intensity work reduced expired oxygen concentration and increased expired carbon dioxide, suggesting an increase in metabolism. So there was suggestion that it was putting a, a load on the met- metabolic exchange rate. Now, again, fortunately, it based on the workload that was associated with uh, this particular population, it... It didn't impose uh, any observable harm, but we're dealing with 20 subjects, which yeah. is a small population.
1: Yeah, right. I, it, small population, and I want to show you a study that, to me, looks absurd. Okay, so let's let me make this bigger so we can read it. Um, Yeah. So this is the effects of wearing face masks on oxygenation and ventilation at rest and during physical activity. Um, What I want to get at with this one, Javier, is they studied them for 10 minutes, (laughs) 50 volunteers for 10 minutes. And there were no episodes of hypoxemia or hypercarbia. So, I mean, I bet you this thing, when was it published? 21. That's at the height of when they were really February 21, really pushing everybody to put these masks on. Um, The headlines probably went, you know, study shows that it has no impact, right? And then you go and look at this. And there were so many ridiculous studies um, done with really short, time intervals and and there all they did was they sat for a while and they got up and walked briskly for 10 minutes and that was fifty very healthy adult volunteers
2: (laughs) no i mean that 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 is ridiculous why would you why would you do a study like that um what's the purpose
1: (laughs) well we know the purpose right
2: i know right but you have to ask that it's it's that's one of the things you have to ask why what is the purpose of the study yeah Is it answering an important question? If it's (laughs) not answering an important question, it's pure marketing and propaganda.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. It's pure. And like, I remember some of them when they were, they went into the lab and they made a dummy's face and they put the mask over it. And then they used like duct tape to seal the mask to say that, look at nothing escapes. I mean, really, are you going to duct tape (laughs) I mean, it was so absurd what how they tried to claim that face masks work. I mean, someday our 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 ancestors are gonna look back on this as the most how stupid were people in 20, in the early 2020s. (laughs) I just, you know, but see, that's why, as we explained earlier, please do not just read the headline of a study and the conclusion of a study as we were setting a bad example for because you have to read the details of it and what they did. And yes, you can trust your common sense. Now, there are some studies that are very complicated that have like risk ratios and that sort of language that it might be a good idea or it is a good idea to look up in a book or go confer with somebody like Javier who understand what these things mean so they can explain it to you or take a class at IPAC-EDU. Go to IPAC-EDU and sign up for some of the amazing classes that they have and begin to educate yourself. Because deferring to experts, we have learned, Javier, is so dangerous.
2: No, and that's exactly who they want to defer to. Because when Mm -hmm. you're an expert, you cannot be questioned. And again, in government, every citizen, sorry, in the United States, every citizen has the right obligation and duty to question every action that the government takes Mm -hmm. until you get a satisfactory answer, you do not stop.
1: Mm -hmm. And that goes
2: for any scientist, doctor, politician, or judge.
1: Yeah. Amen to that. Let's take a a peek here at masks, false safety and real dangers, part one, friable mask particulate and lung vulnerability. Let's, uh, let's see if you recognize the names here, Javier. Um, are these anybody you know? Boris Borovoy, Colleen Huber, and Q. Makita?
2: No. And um, again, this is, it doesn't look like it was published in a peer-reviewed journal. I think no. this would just be a, uh, an observation uh, that uh, uh, these, uh, these, these individuals mm-hmm. did.
1: They it might be one of those where they found difficulty getting it published, um, but they've got the different types of masks and then they're showing some imagery of the fibers of the masks. And so it's just another one. Let me go down to the as I said, um, what you shouldn't do go to the conclusion. The conclusion is surgical personnel are trained to never touch any part of a mask except the loops and the nose bridge. Otherwise, the mask is considered useless and is to be replaced. Exactly. Surgical personnel are strictly trained not to touch the masks otherwise. However, the general public may be seen touching various parts of their masks. Even the masks just removed from manufacturer packaging have been shown in the above photos to contain particulate and, fi- particulate and fiber that would not be optimal to inhale. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yep. And it goes on from there. So, you know, it looks like these I had not. Um, let me go back and share this tab. I, I hadn't uh, read all of these. So it looks like there's a part one, part two. And later on, this might be the part three. No, that says level three, not three. So yeah. those look uh, worth exploring for our, our listeners who really want to go to full handle and be able to do the debate. Um, we need to get, we need to encourage people out there to bring this sort of information to your boards of health um, at all levels. And bring it to your legislators, bring it to your governor's offices. We need to educate everybody on this so they are not Absolutely. able to do it. And we've got to see these masks in court, don't you think?
2: Well, and again, that's going to, yes. You, if, one of the things is that because you have so many manufacturers of masks and they print on the box, it mm-hmm. does not prevent the transmission of airborne influenza and COVID-19. Uh, that they've got a way out, so that's the problem. If the government says we have to have masks, um, yeah. who's liable? Yeah, right.
1: Exactly. And I'm gonna I'm gonna read one more time. <clears throat> Excuse me, to uh, listeners. Um, hold on, let me get a drink. direct quotes from the emergency use authorization letter. <clears throat> the labeling of these, <clears throat> I don't know what happened a frog or I've been talking too much. <clears throat> so anyway, manufacturers of masks, anything you buy in the store, the cloth, whatever, <clears throat> the product must not be labeled in such a manner that would represent the product's intended use. For example, the labeling must not state or imply that the product is intended for antimicrobial or antiviral protection or related uses or is for use such as infection prevention or reduction no printed matter including advertising or promotional materials relating to the use of the authorized face mask may represent or suggest that such product is safe or effective for the prevention or treatment of patients during the covid 19 pandemic there you go holy cow javier you know i mean it's like we have this this is loss i want to i want a big i want to end this forever it's ridiculous and it prevents discussion of real like last week we had a last week we covered everybody go back and watch we had 2 hours where we were covering actual things that are effective yes gargling nasal flushes the iodine ivermectin nutraceuticals your vitamin d your zinc fresh air um all of that you know we went over the highly non-profitable to the drug industry or the manufacturing industry but the things so that plus this uh two-hour show i think are really what you need to go fearless into the cold and flu season um and be prepared for some really good debates that's the other thing we need javier is we need debates debate has been silenced in this nation. We've yeah. got to start having debates. Do you think at this stage that somebody like you could maybe get on a stage with with somebody? Do you think things are lightening up? Or,
2: Well, one is, I think at this point, no one from within public health has any incentive to debate anyone that could actually show them be uh, either duped, puppets, or idiots. Mm. And I think that's the problem. The Idaho Board of Health um, 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 conversation that I saw was basically: I'm an expert. I believe that the masks and the and the, and the shots work. After spending, I mean, the, the the panel of people that spoke and basically laid out the case of why you shouldn't. And as a matter of fact, you have ab- absolutely have to ban. The mRNA injections mm-hmm. was so thorough and complete. And the only response that this healthcare expert has was, Well, these people that sound like conspiracy theorists. Uh, you know, the FDA says they're safe and effective. And by the way, I'm not addressing anything that these people and the evidence that they brought up. So it's mm-hmm. ignore the evidence, stick to the story, and I'm the expert. Appeal to authority, <clears throat> ignore information, mm-hmm. and that's it.
1: And, you know, the, this, this massive train to go in this direction isn't slowing down. I mean, we are, we've got great lawsuits are being filed. Many are now winning. I, we're going to win this, but, but it's like the other side doesn't know how to slow down their train.
2: No, and the whole purpose is not to slow down. It's to impose maximal damage mm-hmm. because the other thing that we have to consider is that the purpose of what's happening right now is to induce damage at a societal level.
1: Mhm. You, you you can't see it any other way. You can't see it any other way. The evidence is so strong to stop what they're doing and yet they continue. Uh, who is that wonderful um oh, I can't I think of his name. He does a lot of interviews with our our big doctors um and he his field of science is looking at at humans in history. You know who I'm talking uh
2: no it's not okay. ringing the bells, oh but-
1: anyway but but he's he said that you know if you look at something that's going on and you look at the stated reasons for why they say they're doing this and they're not achieving their goals and and it doesn't make sense something else is being achieved
2: exactly at some
1: point you've got to understand that that was their ultimate goal correct right yes that was their goal.
2: That was their ultimate goal. Yeah, yeah. and good, very good point. You're absolutely right. Yeah, when and that's the rhetoric what we're does not, now. What's that?
1: That's what we're seeing now.
2: Yeah, and again, it's when the rhetoric does not match the outcomes. Mm-hmm. Then the outcomes were very different than they wanted.
1: Yeah, I I pulled up this one because it looked really interesting. We only got a, like six minutes left, but uh, preliminary report on surgical mask induced deoxygenation during major surgery this is from 2008. This looks really interesting. I want to go down and again, not how you're supposed to do it, but look at the conclusion here. It says (laughs) considering our findings, pulse rates of the surgeons increase and S what's S P O two
2: S P O two is, I think, um, uh, no, it's,
1: it's probably up above. Okay. This is inspired. Yeah. I think, um, very small decrease in saturation level reflects a large decrease in PaO two. Our findings may have a clinical value for the health workers and surgeons. They're basically telling us here that the surgeons were struggling and Correct. having um, deoxygenation when they're probably performing long surgeries with yeah. wearing the mask. Um, yeah. So I think that this—I mean, this is like sort of a non-biased study for viral. You know, I mean, take that out of it, you know, because we're just looking at the actual the health of the surgeon and the surgeon isn't wearing the mask to prevent a viral bacterial infection. It's to prevent his spit from getting in the patient
3: Correct. and
1: to prevent the patient's blood that's spurting from getting
2: <laughs> oh, to him. Right. In their mouth. right? Exactly.
1: It's, yeah. for, it's for the droplets is is really what we're exactly. looking at there um let's see if there's any if there's one or two more that we've got time to look at
2: i think we've got time for one more
1: yeah i'll let you pick Do you see something um
2: no the the screen hasn't changed yet
1: oh sure sorry share this tab instead let's look at even an n95 which people like well i'm gonna do my n95 um let's see if n95 prevented the flu how about (laughs) that as our last one and you know no. the flu virus is larger than the COVID.
2: Now here's the thing: this is among healthcare personnel. Mm-hmm. And the thing you have to remember is that healthcare personnel are trained. There is support, administrative and a physical support on the use of these masks, mm-hmm. and they also have inside the facilities air exchange rates and filtration systems that add another layer of protection.
1: So there's a lot going on there
2: it's multi-layered masks Mm -hmm. the last line in a healthcare setting
1: okay so let's see what they came up with this was september 2019 just before we learned of covid n95 respirators versus medical masks for preventing influenza among healthcare personnel oh this is the n95 so let's see yeah um Findings in this pragmatic cluster randomized clinical trial involving 2862 healthcare personnel, there was no significant difference in the incidence of laboratory confirmed influenza among healthcare personnel with the use of N95 respirators versus medical masks.
2: I shouldn't be laughing, but I mean that was that was predictable. Even OSHA would have told them, Why are you doing this? Yeah. 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 But again. It's important. It's important to question. It's important to see, is there new materials out there that are doing a better job than we thought before?
3: Yeah. Sure.
2: But again, we've got 40 or 50 years of data and mass technology and respirator technology have not changed substantially.
1: There's even a study that goes back to the early 1900s. Um, and it was Dr. Kellogg who famous for the Kellogg's cereal, who had his his different uh, resorts where people would go and do nothing but drink raw milk and eat grapes. Um, That's really, they did that. Um, And when there was a big flu epidemic, everybody was being told, put on a mask. And at that time, these are gauze masks. And so he was doing studies and he said, you would have to put 17 layers of gauze over a person's face to have any hope of blocking anything, and even that didn't work. Um, so we've known for a very long time, you know. So if you if you're symptomatic, you need to stay home. You need to wash your hands. Yes. Uh, if you're you know if you're simp- you know if you're symptomatic or not symptomatic we've been exposed. I mean, we learned last week excellent studies on gargling with um, uh, formulas that include iodine or some of the essential oils. Um, and I know Dr. Merrick didn't like the hydrogen peroxide, but there's some pretty good studies on hydrogen peroxide. I think I'll send them to him. Yeah, uh, He's a very open-minded gentleman.
2: Absolutely. But you, yeah. you've tasted hydrogen peroxide solutions before, haven't you?
1: It's kind of nasty. Yeah,
2: it is. It is. Almost, <laughs> it is gag inducing. <laughs> But you can do it.
1: Yeah, but you can do it in a pinch. But, you know, a, a, a drop of iodine, you know, and, and you know, healthyimmunitynow.org is a website where you can go find formulas and go read the science and, you know, again, not giving medical advice, but go explore for yourself what's available. But there's really no need to fear. No. Just continue to improve your health, improve the health of your children. Vitamin D, vitamin D, vitamin D, vitamin D. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the way to go yeah Javier it's been a great two hours with you my friend thank you so much for joining me and thank everyone for joining us here on an informed life radio on 11:50 a.m uh, KKNW and CHD TV we will be back next week take care everybody
2: Hi everyone Hi I'm Brian Dacus, president and founder of the Pacific Justice Institute for over 25 years, PJI's mission has been to defend religious freedom, parental rights, and the sanctity of human life. PJI has protected patients from being taken off life support and stood up for citizens around the country facing job loss for medical decisions that should be left between them and their doctor. For free legal representation and resources, visit pji.org.
3: Hi, I'm Lynn Redwood, president of the nonprofit Children's Health Defense. Our chairman and our entire team are devoted to ending the epidemic of illnesses and disorders plaguing our children today. Through legal action, we're working to hold industries and government agencies accountable and to establish safeguards to prevent further harm. We're working overtime during this COVID-19 crisis to keep you informed about the politics and science of rush vaccine candidates. Freedom and our children's futures have never been more in jeopardy but we can succeed. With your help, we can stop the devastation and give our children and grandchildren the healthy future they deserve. To learn more about what we're doing and how you can help, visit childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for our free news. Please visit childrenshealthdefense.org today.
0: Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, the high wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions.